This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. With this music, I always feel like I'm marching into battle, folks, against the technocratic transhumanists. And I am every day here on the Dustin Gold Standard. Let's continue from Industrial Society and its future written in 1995. Number 17. Art forms that appeal to modern leftist intellectuals tend to focus on sordidness, defeat, and despair, or else they take an orgiastic tone, throwing off rational control, as if there were no hope of accomplishing anything through a rational calculation, and all that was left was to immense oneself in the sensations of the moment. Again, folks, this stuff applies to today as well all right paragraph 18 modern leftist philosophers tend to dismiss reason science objective reality and to insist that everything is culturally relative it's kind of like with uh, covid land the high school theater production trust the science although there was no science and only fake science behind the science that they were pushing goes on to say it is true that one can ask serious questions about the foundations of scientific knowledge and about how if at all the concept of objective reality can be defined but it is obvious that modern leftist philosophers are not simply cool-headed logicians systematically analyzing the foundations of knowledge they are deeply involved emotionally in their attack on truth and reality They attack these concepts because of their own psychological needs. For one thing, their attack is an outlet for hostility. And to the extent that it is successful, it satisfies the drive for power. More importantly, the leftist hates science and rationality because they classify certain beliefs as true. For example, successful superior and other beliefs as false for example failed and inferior do you understand that so what he's saying is the leftists hate science and rationality because they classify certain beliefs as true and other beliefs as false okay so certain beliefs would be false because they're failed and inferior and certain would be true successful and superior all right It says the leftist feelings of inferiority run so deep that he cannot tolerate any classification of some things as successful or superior and other things as failed or inferior. This also underlies the rejection by many leftists of the concept of mental illness and the quality of IQ tests. 
Leftists are antagonistic to genetic explanations of human abilities or behavior because such explanations tend to make some persons appear superior or inferior to others. Leftists prefer to give society the credit or blame for an individual's ability or lack of it. Thus, if a person is inferior, it is not their fault, but society's because he has not been brought up properly. All right. There's so much stuff there, folks, but it's true. And I have to be honest, there are folks on the right or people that I would identify as being on the right today that fall into this trap as well where in your mind there are certain things that are successful and superior, other things are uh, failed and inferior, and so you can't live outside of that box. This is talking about being nuanced, having an honest discussion, exploring different worldviews, right? So I don't want to drive myself into a box. The author in the beginning talks about indigenous societies, you know, primitive people, and saying that he's not saying that our culture is better than their culture, and I've brought that up on the show as well you know i don't know the african people with the plates in their lips and the rings on their neck they might be really happy they don't own flat screen tvs and have a bmw payment i don't know i think that's actually i haven't lived with them i don't know what it's like i don't know if they start uh knifing each other or if they get into a fight i don't know if i'd want to live in the middle of that but at the same time there are certain elements that make me believe they actually have more freedom and liberty than we do in a certain sense, living in a debt slavery system. So the author here is talking about certain traits that he sees in modern leftists, the modern leftists of 1995 when this paper is written. All right, and so I think it's very important for people to understand this. Again, if you're on the left, just look in the mirror. See if you fit into some of these categories. Be honest with yourself. And don't worry because the criticism of the right is about to come. It says, uh, paragraph 19, the leftist is not typically the kind of person whose feelings of inferiority make him a braggart, an egotist, a bully, a self-promoter, a ruthless competitor. This kind of person has not wholly lost faith in himself. He has a deficit in his sense of power and self-worth, but he can still conceive of himself as having the capacity to be strong and his efforts to make himself strong produce his unpleasant behavior. But the leftist is too far gone for that. His feelings of inferiority are so ingrained that he cannot conceive of himself as individually strong and valuable, hence the collectivism of the leftists. He can feel strong only as a member of a large organization or a mass movement with which he identifies himself. So that would be, for instance, uh, someone from the left having to join in with Antifa or join in with black lives matter because standing on their own they feel inferior they feel weak they feel defeated but if they join a group they feel more powerful as a group as a collectivist organization number 20 notice the masochistic tendency of leftist tactics leftist protest by lying down in front of vehicles they intentionally provoke police or racists to abuse them 
uh, etc. These tactics may often be effective, but many leftists use them not as a means to an end, but because they prefer masochistic tactics. Self-hatred is a leftist trait. Now, some of this will be uncovered in our future Saul Linsky series. Uh, that I started and I will continue, as I mentioned earlier. This this will start to become very clear to you. Some of the tactics, tactics used by the left and uh, came out of their training by Saul Linsky. Number 21, leftists may claim that, and let me just say this about Alinsky. I've mentioned it before, so I didn't want to say it again, but this guy in his mind, not what he taught his uh, activists, his community organizers, wanted to bring hell on earth. His job was to bring chaos to the earth and basically get society and culture to eat itself alive. So that's where he came from. So the poison that this man put into the community organizers, the future leftists, future progressives, I mean, was in fact poison. I mean, he was poisoning these folks to just not love themselves and they're just constant victims and so they never truly rise up and are successful because they're always blaming someone else for their problems. Uh, here at this show, I tell you the technocrats and the transhumanists are in control. But if you do take charge of your own life, if you stop looking for heroes, and I never tell you to believe that the villain is holding you down, right? I believe the villain is attempting to engineer humanity out of existence, but I believe we can beat them in our own lives by understanding their game plan, by understanding their war blueprints, and then working around them. All right, let's continue. Number 21. Leftists may claim that their activism is motivated by compassion or by moral principles, and moral principle does play a role for the leftists of the over-socialized type, but compassion and more principle cannot be the main motives for leftist activism. Hostility is too prominent a component of leftist behavior. So is the drive for power. Moreover, much leftist behavior is not rationally calculated to be of benefit to the people whom the leftists claim to be trying to help. For example, if one believes that affirmative action is good for black people, does it make sense to demand affirmative action in hostile or dogmatic terms? Obviously, it would be more productive to take a diplomatic and conciliatory approach that would make at least verbal and symbolic concessions to white people who think that affirmative action discriminates against them. But leftist activists do not take such an approach because it would not satisfy their emotional needs. Helping black people is not their real goal. Instead, race problems serve as an excuse for them to express their own hostility and frustrated need for power. In doing so, they actually harm black people because the activist hostile attitude towards the white majority tends to intensify race hatred. That's so true, okay? And that plays a major role in uh, the latest iteration of this that we saw, which was Black Lives Matter, going back to Ferguson uh, with the Michael Brown case, the rise of BLM, spreading around to Baltimore, Atlanta, other places around the country. So you had the white organizers behind the scenes 
the white, the, the money men behind the scenes, th- for them, it's about power and control the entire system. They orchestrate these movements. These are psychological operations. They're always about total control, like the central bank digital currency system. But the organizers who they pay and they employ who are not just about profit, but they are very sick and twisted people, and they put them into positions of power or perceived power so they can orchestrate these movements. They don't really care, right, about the black people. Otherwise, they wouldn't be encouraging black folks to go out and burn their own cities down, their own neighborhoods down. They would be out there trying to teach them to build up and build a better community and how to start businesses. They wouldn't be there telling them, uh, go burn your neighbor's barbershop down, right? So they don't care about helping black folks or other minority groups. There was a story. I looked it up years ago, folks. I'll bring this up. It's important because I'm a quarter Japanese. All right? My mother's mom came from Japan. My grandfather was from the United States. His family had been here for a couple hundred years. They were Scottish, Irish, English, and he was in the army. And during the Korea War, he was stationed in Japan. He met my grandmother and brought her back. Right. So I started, as I was uh, studying Solinsky almost 15 years ago, probably, yeah, 15 years ago, I um, started to look into why the Japanese were never really this, uh, especially after what happened to them under FDR, where they were locked in internment camps, but there was never this big rise of Japanese folks. Like, you had illegal aliens, uh, specifically, like, Mexican, Ecuadorian at the time, Back under the Bush administration, when people were talking about border security back then, they would march in the streets. Again, white community organizers pushing them into the streets. They had a million-man Mexican march, and they would demand their citizenship and their rights. And then you saw how white people and American citizens, even legal uh, Hispanics that came here legally that were immigrants or people that were born here, they were getting pissed off. So you saw that the whites didn't really care about the plight of the illegal alien because they were putting the illegal aliens in the uh, firing line, right? And so I said, well, whatever happened, why didn't the Japanese ever rise rise up uh, in places that they live out in California and such? Well, there was uh, some big community organizer at one point, I forget the year, I haven't looked at this in 15 years, who went out and tried to organize the Japanese to get reparations over the internment camps under Franklin Roosevelt, and the Japanese community as a collective said, get the hell out of here, we want nothing to do with it, because they just had too much pride, and they were going out there working good jobs, starting businesses, and they didn't want to be any part of this uh, community organizing nonsense folks complete and total nonsense so you see there are these organizers that go out and try to organize these minority groups for their own reasons for their own power for their own control behind the scenes there's someone who's going to make money on it or they're going to use it to create chaos so power can rise usually them you know the technocrats the elitists and such so it's all really interesting ladies and gentlemen i'm glad we're covering this now as i said i'm going to weave this in and out of the interviews that are coming up but we're going to work our way through this paper before we move on ladies and gentlemen i'm going to move on to a short break i'll be right back this is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold 
You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Payne.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard, where we are breaking down the 1995 paper industrial society and its future we're in the middle of talking about the psychology of the modern leftists this is the modern leftists in 1995 not much has changed but i think in the world we live in today everything is kind of mishmash up and no one really knows where they stand you know which group they actually fit into at least from my perspective all right let's look at number 22 if our society had no social problems at all, the leftists would have to invent problems in order to provide themselves with an excuse for making a fuss. Now, again, you're going to see this in uh, Saul Linsky uh, in all of the stuff he taught and the ideas that he had. He actually drives people on a lifelong, endless cycle of being a victim and finding problems even where problems don't exist. And again, this also ties into the inferiority complex, I believe, that the scientists and the engineers that are behind transhumanism have and why they will continue to engineer humanity out of existence because they're going to keep trying to engineer problems that don't actually exist. Instead of just building a robot, they're going to try to keep engineering the human body to meet their vision of what is perfection, I guess the utopia of a human it doesn't exist in a utopia there really is no end goal so you're going to keep engineering until you completely destroy what it is that you're trying to uh, make perfect so you're going to see this in the alinsky stuff we're going to cover it goes on to say 23 we emphasize that the foregoing does not pretend to be an accurate description of everyone who might be considered a leftist it is only a rough indication of a general tendency of leftism all right now we're going to get into the section on leftism called over socialization and again folks if you identify as left just chill hang out this is very important it's very important i think it will help you start to uh, analyze yourself a bit be honest with yourself and again there this author is going to break down folks on the right as well it goes on to say, a paragraph 24, psychologists use the term, quote, socialization, end quote, to designate the process by which children are trained to think and act as society demands. A person is said to be well socialized if he believes in and obeys the moral code of his society and fits in well as a functioning part of that society. It may seem senseless to say that many leftists are over-socialized since the leftist is perceived as a rebel. Nevertheless, the position can be defended. Many leftists are not such rebels as they seem. And this is very interesting. Uh, we're about to get into this. And so let me just make a point here uh, about socializing folks into society system of social engineering i mean it starts off that you're learning uh things from your parents uh, maybe a nursery school a pre-k eventually in school you were socialized in the system so if you're someone who has extra energy you're deemed to be ADD or adhd 
you're a troublemaker, you don't fit into the system, you're not a perfect little robot. And so that's what they're talking about here. Now, as he's saying, left are perceived to be uh, punk rockers. They're considered to be raging against the machine. When in fact, they're not, they're actually over-socialized. It says, number 25, the moral code of our society is so demanding that no one could think, feel, and act in a completely moral way. For example, we are not supposed to hate anyone, yet almost everyone hates somebody at some time or other whether he admits it to himself or not. Some people are so highly socialized that the attempt to think, feel, and act morally imposes a severe burden on them. In order to avoid feelings of guilt, they continually have to deceive themselves about their own motives and find moral explanations for feelings and actions that in reality have a non-moral origin. We use the term over-socialized to describe such people. I mean, you know what he's talking about, folks. When, when you try to fit into this uh, societal moral code, and then you step outside of that moral code, you have to find excuses for that. Like, I, I don't believe in murdering every, anyone. And then all of a sudden, uh, I don't know, some guy, let's go to the extreme, some guy rapes your sister, and the next thing you know, you want to murder him. So now you have to justify uh, why you're stepping outside of that moral code. Although, in my mind, that would be fairly just, ladies and gentlemen, just so you know my opinion. Number 26, over-socialization can lead to so, uh, low self-esteem, a sense of powerlessness, defeatism, guilt, etc. One of the most important means by which our society socializes children is by making them feel ashamed of behavior or speech that is contrary to society's expectations, right? That's what I just talked about. If you don't fit into the model of the public indoctrination center school system. Uh, if this is overdone, or if a particular child is especially susceptible to such feelings, he ends up by feeling ashamed of himself. Moreover, the thought and the behavior of the over-socialized person are more restricted by society's expectations than are those of the lightly socialized person. Now, also, I would point out there, folks, uh, because of the advent of social media, which came after after uh, this paper, written in 1995, this is sort of the beginning of the internet going into households, we see more of these issues. I hear stories from friends of mine that have kids in their teenage years. I raised a couple of stepkids. Uh, one was uh, younger, but in school, and the other was in high school by the end when I got divorced. And I saw them go through this stuff as well. And they are pressured to virtue signal whether they believe it or not. Look, I had a friend of mine from high school who about a year or two ago, I realized on social media that he is now uh, living life as a woman. Uh, actually, in his Facebook profile, he says he suffers from mental illness and he is a non-binary, I don't know, gender fluid something, but he's now currently living life as a woman. And he looks just like the guy that I went to high school with, but now he has a, like a bobbed haircut uh, and he uses a curling iron to flip it up. But he looks like a dude, right? And he and he puts on uh, eyeliner and stuff. I think he's divorced or he was never married, but he has a kid. 
And so he sees his kid as this woman, but sometimes he looks more like a man, so he floats in and out, but yet he talks about his mental illness. And I see all these folks from high school. I'm talking, this guy puts out a post. He's done nothing. Nothing like in his life. He's not running a charity. He's not helping people other than living life as this new woman character. And I don't know if he had a surgery. I think he just cross-dresses. And you will see hundreds of comments. So he posts a picture of him looking like a man, you know, flitting his eyelashes. And it says, I'm feeling good today. I'm so proud of myself. I'm not depressed. And hundreds of people, oh, you look beautiful. Women from high school are going, where Where did you get that beautiful haircut? You're gorgeous. Guys that I went to high school with that I thought were alpha, write him. They were, they were friends with him because he was like one of the guys. He was he, nothing. He didn't seem gay or anything like that. And guys go, oh, I'm so proud of you. I mean, just this virtual signaling is crazy. When in fact, people should go, dude, you're, you, you say you're mentally ill. Maybe we can get you some help. No, they just virtue signal and they go along with this live action role play. They're over socialized. Goes on to say the majority of people engage in a significant amount of naughty behavior. They lie. They commit petty thefts. They break traffic laws, they goof off at work, they hate someone, they say spiteful things, or they use some underhanded trick to get ahead of the other guy. The over-socialized person cannot do these things, or if he does do them, he generates in himself a sense of shame and self-hatred. The over-socialized person cannot even experience without guilt thoughts or feelings that are contrary to the accepted morality. He cannot think unclean thoughts. And socialization is not just a matter of morality. We are socialized to conform to many norms of behavior that do not fall under the heading of morality. Thus, the over-socialized person is kept on a psychological leash and spends his life running on rails that society has laid down for him. In many over-socialized people, this results in a sense of constraint and powerlessness that can be a severe hardship. We suggest that over-socialization is among the more serious cruelties that human beings inflict on one another. And uh, folks, I, I know this, someone in my family who is a social worker, they like to identify with peace and love and such, and they, and they try to be a great person, and I see them. Uh, I saw over a 10-year period where there were people in their life that were just horrible, right? They would use them, uh, they would backstab them, and as much as they wanted to lash out or where they would lash out to me and they go, F this person, how dare they? They immediately go, I shouldn't say that. I should be the better person. And then they would go drink or they'd go smoke pot to try to numb themselves, right? Because they're trying to, instead of standing up to that other person and saying, listen, you use me that's it you're out of my life you uh you evil person they try to force themselves into this definition of some accepting loving leftist liberal when in fact they're harming themselves by trying to conform to this definition of an all-loving leftist all right i saw that myself finally this person has been getting over it and realizing that there's users out there and to just cut those people out of their lives all right let's go on paragraph 27 we are 
argue that a very important and influential segment of the modern left is over-socialized and that their over-socialization is of great importance in determining the direction of modern leftism. Leftists of the over-socialized type tend to be intellectuals or members of the upper middle class. Notice that university intellectuals constitute the most highly socialized segment of our society and also the most left-wing segment. So true, folks. And again, this is written in 95, I think, when professors and such played a more prominent role in mainstream media. Uh, because now we have a lot of influencers and podcasters and such, so it's kind of changed a bit. Uh, but that type of person, you know who they are. You probably have them in your life. The person who has two PhDs and they like to talk down to you at Christmas and such. Number 28, the leftist of the over-socialized type tries to get off his psychological leash and assert his autonomy by rebelling. But usually he is not strong enough to rebel against the most basic values of society. Generally speaking, the goals of today's leftists are not in conflict with the accepted morality on the contrary the left takes an accepted moral principle adopts it as its own and then accuses mainstream society of violating that principle examples racial equality equality of the sexes helping poor people peace as opposed to war nonviolence generally freedom of expression kindness to animals more fundamentally the duty of the individual to serve society and the duty of society to take care of the individual all these have been deeply rooted values of our society or at least of its middle and upper classes for a long time these values are explicitly and implicitly expressed or presupposed in the most of the material uh, uh, presented to us by the mainstream communications media and the educational system leftists especially those of the over socialized type usually do not rebel against these principles but justify their hostility to society by claiming with some degree of truth that society is not living up to these principles right so i think many of us have been able to experience that with people in our lives i know there's friends of the show guests of the show that have kids that are in their teens in their 20s that are in college and they talk about this kind of stuff and they're disgusted when society is not living up to this social contract and these values and these morals which really no one has actually agreed to right no one has agreed to especially if we're older we don't know the social contract that's being taught in the school system now in the public indoctrination center so ladies and gentlemen uh, the takeaway right now from industrial society and its future, we're laying the groundwork uh, for what is leftism. You're going to see uh, what is the right. And now we're going to get into something called the power process. And this is very important because it's going to talk about what's wired into human DNA and how we've been taken so far away from that in the last uh, 100, 150 years uh, since the industrial era and the rise of technocracy. Uh, and what has happened is that we as humans are not doing what we're wired to do. And because of the ex exponential growth of technology and the radical change in the way humans are living uh, since 
uh, for for the first whatever thousands to millions of years, whatever you believe, versus the last two hundred years, uh, we have completely changed the way in which we live, and we have not caught up to that. Evolution is not caught up to living in this society we live in. Caught up to being stacked on top of each other in apartments in New York City, and so you're going to start to understand the real problem. Uh, and what is wired into us and why we are completely out of whack, folks. And it's only gotten worse, obviously, since this was written in 1995. 28 years later, we are deeper into technocracy. We are deeper into the culture of technology. Ladies and gentlemen, when I get back tomorrow, we'll be interviewing the healing doc it's going to be a great conversation folks leave us a five-star review at apple Podcasts along with a comment join us at pain.tv slash gold or drop us a donation at donorbox.org slash dustin gold show i'll be back tomorrow with episode 126 ladies and gentlemen with the healing doc fantastic guy have a great day folks this is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here at pain.tv slash gold the matrix is a computer generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold